This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I am Billy Mully and today we are bringing you a different type of episode to what you have all come to expect in recent weeks. One thing always stays the same and that is the fact that I'm joined by Stephen Day over on Zoom. Stephen, how are you doing? Not too bad in yourself? Not too bad, not too bad today and yeah, excited that we've, um, we're doing something different. We're expanding out our usual content and Sort of on that note, also in the call today is the voice of Luton Town, a man whose celebrations make goals 10 times better. It is, of course, Simon Pitts. Simon, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, Billy. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us today. And I think the most natural place to start with is yesterday's, well, we'll call it Tuesday night because this comes out on a Thursday, so... Yeah, we'll start with that Coventry City game, Simon. Um, it was obviously a big game for, for us both. Coventry are deep in a relegation battle of their own and we're trying to steer clear of that. Can we now be confident after that sort of convincing win that we are safe for that relegation zone now? I think, I mean, yes, yeah, certainly nothing in football is guaranteed as um, Charlton discovered last season, but uh, certainly from the way that Luton Town are playing, um, the points that we've got on the board, the number of teams below us, um, you know, I'd be very surprised if, you know, we're pulled anywhere near it. I think, um, you know, there's, what, 10 games left for us, um, less for some teams. Rotherham have got plenty of games in hand, but yeah, you know, we're, we're nicely clear now. Um, yeah, I, I don't believe we're looking over our shoulder. It was a great victory. Um, and uh, you know it's the performances as much as anything else that if we can put in performances like that then we'll pick up points between now and the end of the season anyway and we should be looking at going well ahead of um, this time last year and finishing the season um, you know hopefully equally as well and and being well ahead of the 51 points that we had at the end of last season. Yeah and on that note of 
performances, Stephen. I know you're probably a couple of weeks now away from starting up an Adebayo fan club of, of your own. So how good was the big man again yesterday? Again, he was he was brilliant. And it's nice to know that he can take penalties as well because I was thinking when we got the penalty, I was thinking who is actually going to take it? Because obviously Colo's on the bench and he stepped up and he looked calm. And I saw earlier that... Um, uh, someone put out a video of um, Adebayo, like his first penalty that he took in, in his professional career, and he skied it, like he slipped over and skied it. So it's it's good to see that he can actually like step up and confidently take a penalty as well. Yeah, it was brilliant to see because I, I've sort of seen him stand up to take it and was a little bit worried. I know he's been brilliant so far, but when you don't know what's about to happen, I think that sort of causes a bit of worry, I guess. And uh, Simon, yesterday you were tested on the commentary with the man of the match, the Pepe's Piri Piri man of the match. So who would you have given it to last night? I mean, I think it's very difficult to pick one out. I thought it was an excellent team performance yesterday. Everybody did their jobs. And, um, you know, I, I believe Harry Cornick got the vote. And, you know, he was one of several up there that I thought worked really hard. Um, Ryan Tunnicliffe played really well. Jordan Clark at left back, you know, not a position that you'd have expected to see him in, but he just seems to have adapted to it brilliantly. Um, I thought Matty Pearson defended really well with his headers clearing the danger. Cal Naismith just went about his business. And, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, the S Coventry, I think, played well for a team with 10 men, and particularly in the second half. And, you know, yes, there's disappointment we didn't go on and win the game by more, but I think credit to them for some of the way they played. But, Overall, I thought uh, our team put in a really good performance and attacking threat. Um, 20 chances, 20 shots yesterday, which I think is a season high from the stats I've seen. So, um, you know, that, it just shows what we're capable of. And it was an, it was an all-round good team performance. And, you know, I think it was very difficult to pick one out from they're all doing different roles within the team and they all did them very well. And a little little side note on what happened. It, the, the game sort of turned on its head with the red card decision. After seeing it back a few times now, do you agree with that decision? It's interesting because at the time, uh, my view of it, absolutely blatant. I really did think, you know, it was a stonewall penalty. It was a red card for obviously the deliberate goal scoring opportunity um, denying. But yeah, looking at it back, I think the angles that the camera's at, it's it does look as though it's higher on it. It's certainly higher on his arm than I, I saw it in live um, being there last night. But um, he, he certainly has made the effort to go across and he's taking that risk you know he's adamant that it's the top of the shoulder but I think the angles that I've seen so far it's very difficult to say yes it was definitely high enough that it shouldn't have been given but he was always taking that risk by bending towards it and it's instinct at the end of the day that's what it comes down to you know you're on the goal line you're trying to block a shot instinctively he's moved across um, and you know he's then put to he's put himself in a position where it, it could be a handball and obviously the sending off. With that as well, it's, we have, we've struggled a little bit against 10 men this season and sort of the opening exchanges of the second half, we, we found it a little bit difficult. Coventry found a bit of rhythm. So yeah, it was good to get back to playing that football after that. And yeah, as you say, create the amount of chances that we, we ended up with. She said, I think it was around 20. Yeah, 20 shots on goal. I mean, some of them were blocked. Some were superb defensive clearances. I mean, um, the one in the second half, um, you know, he got back, I think it was at Ostigard that blocked one, then got up and stopped another. And, um, you know, there, there was a couple of really good chances there for Luton. But, you know, credit to Coventry. They, they put the 
body on the line when it came to it and uh, stopped a couple of goals in that second half. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that we were creating those chances um, is, uh, is a good sign for the future for the next 10 games of the season. Um, so, Simon, what are your thoughts on where we are, uh, where we are currently? What should our ambitions be for next season? I think it's just keep progressing. Um, you know, we've obviously progressed and evolved over the last 12 months since Nathan's come back in. Um, you know, we finished the season really well last season, obviously staying up. Um, and we've continued that this season. And I think we're about 13 points or so ahead of the same number of games as we were last season. Um, if we can look at finishing at least 10 points better off at the end of the season, then I think that really shows what we've achieved over the course of a full season with Nathan back um, and what we're capable of achieving um, going forwards. Um, you know, you would look at it that things can only get stronger and better from this point. Um, the, you know, the, the more that we play under Nathan and the more the team with the players that have, have been with him now for a year, um, those that knew him from before, obviously. Um, and I think with the quality that we've got coming through. I mean, the signing of Adebayo just looks absolutely superb. I mean, he's he's got a lot to learn, a lot to develop. And, you know, that Nathan's very keen on saying, you know, in his press conferences that he, he's not a, an immediate um, championship player. He's come from League Two and with respect to the League Two below, you, you do have to learn and develop and, you know, get to learn the championship. But he certainly, you know, with three goals to boot already, um, a confident young man and the way he took his penalty yesterday, um, you know, fingers crossed that for next season it, it only gets better with him playing as well. And I would think there's a few changes in the summer on the playing squad. And hopefully, you know, the way that we do buy and we have done in the past, it's always been to improve the squad. And, you know, more often than not, that's been the case. Yeah. So would you say that he's probably impressed you most uh, with all of our new signings this season? Because obviously we've had Dewsbury Hall on loan, Clark come in in the summer, Naismith in January. You say Adebayo's impressed you most, or has any one of those stood out more? Um, well, obviously, Kin and Dewsbury Hall, you know, we've been with us all season. He's been fantastic. Um, cracking loan signing. Um, you know, I think it's superb the way he's playing. He's fitted in. He obviously enjoys playing for Luton Town. So, um, you know, chances are with the uh, end of season supporters trust awards coming up, um, they will be, he'll be uh, in and amongst the mix for a few of those, I would think. Um, but yeah. Elijah's, Elijah's um, you know, is coming from League Two to perform as he has on the championship. It's just his energy, his strength, um, everything about him. You just, he, he's offered us something that we've not got as a package. You know, we've got other players. We've got Harry Cornick's pace. We've got um, James Collins, obviously, with the goals, um, top scorer at the moment, an international player. But for Adebayo to come in and learn from Mick Harford and the coaching team and the players alongside him, just the way he's settled in, um, has done really well and some of the other names you've mentioned there I mean Cal Naismith came in as a utility player versatile he started out on the left and he he's played in a few other positions but when he's been at centre-back I think you know certainly the fans seem to be uh, in unison he's, he's performed really well in that position um, which he probably wouldn't have been in without injuries to uh, Lockyer and, and Bradley um, and then Jordan Clark another signing you know one that's been raved about that uh, the club had been watching for a while, wanted to sign him previously. And, you know, he's come in and he's performed in so many different positions. I mean, he joked the other day that there'd even been talk of, could he put on a pair of gloves and go between the sticks? He said, you know, if that's what I needed to do, I would. But um, I think, you know, you, you couldn't fault the players that have come in. They've all strengthened the squad and they've all adapted and, and played so well in different positions. And with Adebayo as well, 
think when he first came in, Nathan Jones was quick to say he's got all the physical attributes that you could want off a striker, off a big target man. But he was said that he's not at the technical level. I think when he's when he's um, originally signed, he said he's not at the te- technical level that is expected of the championship. So to come in and do such a brilliant job already is is very reassuring to see. Indeed. I mean, he's, he's had the opportunity and he's taken it. I mean, you could understand sometimes that players aren't put into the, the spotlight um, immediately, um, but he was needed to and he came in. And the fact that he got those goals so early, you know, his first two starts for the club getting goals um, is key because for a young striker like that, any striker um, coming into a new club, they want to show the fans what they're capable of doing and, and obviously getting off the mark. And you know, for the way he did um, was brilliant. And it and, and that just builds from there, doesn't it? You know, he's come in, he's performed well and he's got the rewards for it. Yeah, and as well, I um I tried yesterday, um got a little bit of um little bit of stick for it, but I I tried to rank the the signings that we've made this season. There's been 10 of them, and um obviously with something like that, people are not going to agree, but I think uh, Stephen had it a little bit different to me, but I had Clark as my number one. I, I think Jordan Clark, what he's done is just incredible. I think the, the way that he's been asked to play in these different positions and still threaten and create chances is just credit to our scouting team and a credit to Jordan himself. Indeed, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you that he's, he's certainly been very impressive in the way that he's settled in as well. Um, you know, and having to play in different positions, um, it's, it's a tough call. It's like man of the match, isn't it? Trying to pick your best uh, your best new sign in. Everybody's got an opinion and and that's why we love the game so much and we can all sit and have a chat about it. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly uh, would put him up there um, You know, as, as a great signing for the club. And again, another one that has got plenty of years ahead of him. And moving away from last night's fixture, as much as we'd love to talk about it because it was, <laughs> it was a very good night, I have to say. But in terms of your relationship with Luton, where did it all start? So I've got my dad to thank for that. Um, he was brought up in Hertfordshire, um, thankfully decided to follow a Bedfordshire club um, that have won some trophies. So, um, yeah, as a kid, um, I love football, watched it. You know, the odd games that were on the telly, um, got into football a lot. And he was just speaking to dad and saying, right, well, who do you support? And I remember from a young age, I think first recollection is recalling hearing that Raddy Antich has scored at Main Road um, on the radio. Uh, Radio 5 or whatever it was in those days that sport was on. I mean, it wasn't Radio 5, but you know what I mean? It was, um, and then, you know, games in the early 80s, travelling when I when we could. Um, so, yeah, through Dad, um, the passion's just grown and grown. And, uh, you know, here, here we are now. I mean, I never would have expected as a young kid watching on the occasional times in the terraces and that, that uh, I'd be have the opportunity to follow him home and away and uh, commentating on the great club. Yeah, as, as you say, you've you've got into the role now. You've been commentating on the Hatters for years. But when was the last time you actually attended Kenilworth Road or even an away game as a fan? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, so not doing... I mean, I suppose I, I, I did attend the pre-season friendly at Northampton um, this season, beginning of this season, um, just to sort of obviously... I always like to start seeing the games, the pre-season games when you come back because of getting to know perhaps new players, seeing how they're playing. You can refer to it in early game commentary. Um, so that that would have been the last game, I think, that I, I wasn't commentating at. 
um, that I can recall would have been the, the Northampton friendly. Um, but yeah, it is. I'm trying to think the, the last time when I've had a proper sort of day out as a fan and uh, enjoyed a beer with mates and, and whatever, you're obviously like everybody else going back uh, a year or two for that. But yeah, it would probably be pre-season friendlies in, in other years as well. Um, certainly not been a, a competitive game that I, um, that would have been an away game in the 08-09 season was the last time for a competitive fixture without commentary because I was only doing home commentary until uh, we started the conference years when uh, I, I joined with Diverse FM to do home and away. Uh, and I, I remember the commentary on Diverse FM because I remember we'd all, uh, me and my aunt would always put it on after games and if, if we could, we'd try and get it for listening to games when we couldn't make it. So yeah, I, I remember the Diverse FM and I, I do miss it as well. But it's, it's nice to hear you on the official Luton commentary. Um, so we know there's been a lot of highs in commentating Luton, like Knights against Oxford with Keno's goal from the corner, uh, like Knights against Portsmouth, other like massive games as well. But has there been any real lows that you've experienced while commentating Luton? Oh, crikey. Um, yeah, trying to think of... I try, I try not to remember the lows if I can help it. I mean, obviously, Wem Wembley was um, an incredible experience and opportunity to commentate at Wembley and the fact that obviously we scored there as well. Um, but um, yeah, that was that was heartbreaking as it was for all fans um, that day. And likewise at um, the Manchester City Stadium, the, the two playoff final defeats that just they just hurt, um, you know. And you knowing that you've, you're interviewing the manager and players afterwards, and just the feeling of all of that and not getting promoted when you know we'd all expected to be going straight back up or within a few seasons at least. Um, so yeah, that's probably been as a commentator the hardest some of the hardest games as, as those two big playoff finals. Um, there's other games where obviously you, you lose and you, you come away thinking, have we lost that game? And it's disappointment. Um, but thankfully the, uh, the highs over the years have far outweighed all the lows have. So uh, that, that's the great memories and the opportunities and experiences that uh, thankfully I've been able to enjoy. Yeah. And has there been any like real like difficulties in, in commentating at Luton games? That you've experienced um the hardest thing is uh, seeing serious injuries um you know the Dan Potts one on Saturday um that's just awful to a to have to watch and then b to to talk and you know you know you've got to keep going for the time that the player's being treated but all the time you, you're thinking hope he's okay you know how serious is it um you know that all the, the best medical team are on there they're taking all the precautions necessary and you just you just you wish the player well, um, you know, and your thoughts with all the, the people that are, are trying to treat him and as, as well. So that that's difficult. Um, I remember Luke Berry um, breaking his ankle and his leg and everything at Colchester. Um, and I actually saw that I could see, you know, the leg going. So that that was worse. And Jonathan Smith's broken leg at Barn. It was right in front of us. Um, so, you know, um, as things go, that's that's the toughest thing um, is, is to witness serious injuries. Um, aside from that, the other difficulty at Colchester was it was pouring with rain and we were absolutely soaked um, in the press box. It was it was hideous conditions, bearing in mind we've got live electrics um, and extension leads and plugs and there's water and puddles all over the, the press area. It, it was yeah. shocking, really. Um, so, yeah, the conditions... You know, cold nights in Newport when you're getting stuff 5-2, um, things like that. But, you know, all things aside, I think the seriousness of player injuries is, is the hardest. 
Yeah. Uh, so moving away from that, statistics have always been like a big part of your relationship with the hatters. Like, when did you start collecting loot and based data? <laughs> um, I think that all started probably around, um, I would think probably was A-levels university. I, I got the nickname Stato at university as well. So I must have been interested in, in doing things uh, that way. I, I think it was more the statistics rather than it was that I look like Angus Lachlan and generation rulers that a younger will have to Google search to look up Ango Lachlan. Yeah, I think uh, me and Billy will have to that, search that up yeah, afterwards. That, uh, that, that's one where I'm, I'm hoping it was more that I was like him as far as uh, statistics and that. But yeah, I just, and when, once you get into something like that, you can't just stop it. Um, you know, I, I keep the records, um, spreadsheets galore with everything that one, once you start a spreadsheet and you start recording something, then uh, updating it and keeping it going is 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 key to me. And, you know, it's useful to use in um, for the history of the club, for, in commentary for um, for things. But, yeah, I just really enjoy looking at things, and especially when the records are broken or I, I'm the one that sort of highlighted that something has come up or, you know, the biggest victory against uh, Yeovil on the opening day, things like that. Um, but obviously now there's there's far more out there and, you know, the, the analytics Twitter accounts and that are brilliant. They go into depths that I don't, I don't look at, I'm, I just concentrate on my spreadsheets of results and goal scorers and the like. But um, some of the stuff that's available now is just unbelievable. Um, you know, you could literally spend every hour of every day going through data and stats and, uh, and everything like that. But uh, uh, it's certainly something I enjoy. Yeah. Um, so could you talk us through how you prepare for match days like in, in COVID times and then how that kind of differed to how it was normally before COVID? Yeah, I mean, I suppose match preparation as far as the reviewing, the um, getting the data, getting the statistics, getting the um, team news and things like that hasn't really changed um, after COVID. It's more of on the day. Um, obviously, you know, we have temperature checks. We have um, uh, social distancing in the press areas. There's no um, press room to sort of go into and you can't really... Um, there's not as many people around to discuss and have a chat with before the games. But as far as planning um, in advance, I tend to do my preps. I say, say we're talking a Saturday game, um, listening on the press conference on the Thursday, get some notes from that, um, look at the opposition team, just have a look, see if there's anything interesting there um, and just prep things that, you know, games on that day, games against the opposition previously, anything notable about the referee. Um, you know, particularly like the one we had against Coventry in midweek um, was the same referee that was at Brentford and his only red cards this season have been in Luton games. Um, it's things like that that you can just yeah. pick up on and just have as extra. Um, but again, there's far more out there that, you know, I don't go into and have the opportunity to review. Um, and then obviously on match day, it's just getting to the ground. I like to be there at least an hour and a half before kickoff. Um, that's sort of been, that's probably changed a bit under COVID in that, um, you know, things like even traveling is a lot easier. Um, obviously, there's not as much on the road, so you don't have to risk as much for timings. But getting to the ground, getting set up, making sure everything's working, know where I'm sitting um, and things like that. And again, once you've been to a club a couple of times, you know the setup there. So that can take a bit of time off less. Um, and then it's just waiting for kickoff and um, it's, it's waiting for the action and being ready and prepared to, to commentate to the thousands that are listening and watching on around the world. Yeah. And talking about, uh, you know, you mentioned the um, analytics accounts on Twitter. Um, how important do you think this new look uh, scouting department is going to be? Like, obviously, with a new guy coming in that was 
I think Blades Analytics on Twitter and yeah, the new team that's come in. I think it's huge. I mean, it's a, a massive way of showing how football is evolving. Um, we talked about evolving and progression earlier in the in this podcast, and I think that's key. Um, I think to look at the data, I, I know um, the guys from the Not Top Twenty podcast are, are on Sky Sports talking about data and the analytics and reviewing uh, Elijah Adebayo recently on one of the live matches, and they were saying, you know, all of the data matched up. There was loads of clubs looking at him and it's important that you've got somebody with that skill and experience to pick up on the things that are relevant for each football club. Um, not every player suits every football club. Um, so there is more to it. They're not just saying that you are relying 100% on the figures. It, it looks at the character. It looks at the um, the player as a, as a person as well. And I think that's where, you know, Nathan Jones and the team board and that are recognising both quality in terms of football ability but also in terms of um, dressing room harmony and characters to uh, complete the squad from that aspect as well. So, yeah, I think it's a great um, recruitment um, they're coming in um, to look at that aspect of the game and to not miss a trick. Um, you know, we know we haven't got the budget and we can't go out spending millions on world-class international players, but if we can pick somebody up from a lower league or from our own league or a youngster at a Premier League club that fits the bill and, and can do a job, then... Um, you know, you need somebody that is able to find them. Yeah, because we hear yeah. of sort of the, the Brentfords of the league and Barnsleys of the league who are both doing very well for themselves. They're still both punching sort of above their weight. And there are another two clubs that use data analytics religiously. They're they're sort of the, not the founders of it all, but they're, they're sort of one of the first few that have, have used it. So is that, key to our progression now if we are to have Premier League ambitions in sort of the next say five years is the key sort of the scouting network that we're building yeah it's certainly one of the keys isn't it that um, you know you, you pick the players that are going to be capable of um, making a good championship side and that's what we've been doing over the, the years we've built from League Two upwards I mean even from conference days you know from that point onwards we've always been built for the league above um, and now it's starting to look at getting players in that have got Premier League quality to build on the championship side that we've got at the moment. And the likes of Keane and Dewsbury Hall coming in on loan, the likes of being able to develop somebody like um, Adebayo, you know, is, is, is key that an aspect of the, the game is to, um, is to try and find these players, bring them in and not spending, from Luton's perspective, millions of pounds unnecessarily to, um, to build that squad. Um, you know, there are players out there and I think COVID's obviously going to make a massive difference to the summer transfer window um, and the future of transfers for a, a little while now as clubs try and get back on their feet going forwards. And again, thankfully, we at Luton Town appear to be in uh, a better position than a lot of championship clubs are as far as not necessarily having millions in the bank, but as far as the way the club is run, um, you know, you've only got to read Stephen Brown's programme notes from Tuesday night's game against Coventry um, to get an understanding of the, the ethos and the mindset of the people that we've got in charge of our club. And, um, you know, we'd much rather have them running the club and running it well than some of these clubs with multimillionaire owners that, um, you know, the club's not being run as it, as it should be. And, you know, the rules are being broken here and there and clubs are now paying the, the price for it. And, you know, I think we can be very grateful that we've got fans in charge of Luton Town Football Club and fans that have, have kept us, have kept the club going over the years. And a, a last question to finish off, Simon, with um, 
well, you've been to a lot of press boxes in your time following Luton. What are the sort of the best ones? What have the best ones been like, and what are a few of the worst? Oh well, um, yeah, that's always a, a question. I mean, it, you know, I, I would add to begin with that. Obviously, I'm, I'm very aware. I'm in a very privileged position to be able to attend matches and go to press boxes, particularly um, this season. Um, I look forward to fans being back in the ground and sharing the atmosphere and the occasion um, and enjoying that with everybody as well. But, um, you know, press boxes do vary. Grounds do vary, as fans know from um, those that have been travelling since non-league days and uh, up to the championship now. Um, you know, not necessarily are the worst grounds in the non-league, I should hasten to add. Um, there's one or two in the league that would uh, fit that bill. Um, as far as really nice press facilities, I mean, obviously Newcastle away, as I would have loved to have been in with seven and a half thousand fans. Not so sure I'd have fancied being in that top tier, though. Um, my uh, dislike of heights like that is, uh, is one thing, but the atmosphere and, and being with fans is uh, is certainly something not to be missed. Um, but yeah, the press facilities, the fact that you sat down with a plate and a knife and fork to have your, your pre-match food in there was something that, you know, I don't expect from football and I don't go to football for that. But uh, that obviously was... Uh, um, you know, a good a, a good environment. Great to see the team performing that day, and sometimes you you actually enjoy the occasion. You, you're not perhaps it's not the press facilities that you're looking at, and you're not worried about them. Um, it's the the whole day, the whole surrounding. Um, you know, and to have that seven and a half thousand fans up in that top tier and look up at those was just incredible experience. And you know, the fact that we performed well on the day. Um, other press facilities. I'm just trying to think now. Is um, I don't like South Ends because you're inside. Um, that's really strange. Um, you're at a strange level of pitch side. You're behind Perspex glass. It's just not. I don't like South End just for that. That in, you know, you want to be outside. You want to be with it and experiencing it. Um, so uh, that's probably from the league's clubs. One of my dislikes. Thankfully, it doesn't look like we'll be playing um, them for a while. Nice setup and everything down there. Nothing against the club or anything. It's just it's a strange press environment to be to be feeling as though you're indoors in effect. But yeah, there's certainly some differences as, you know, there are for facilities for fans around the grounds as well. And yeah, I've, I've lied. There's, there's one more question. Um, we put up a poll this week that was about the loan players that we've currently got out. We've got, obviously we've got Osho at Rochdale. We've got Kyoso now at Northampton, Harry Estead still at Wealdstone and, um, Nerfil as well. He's he's Yeovil, I think. Yeah. So, which which one of them are you most excited to see, and can you see any of them breaking into the squad sort of come next season? It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, the, the young players, Harry Eisted, for one, I think I'd highlight. He's always performed well when he's um, coming to action in the uh, the Checker Trade games and the like. I think he's a young keeper that's doing extremely well. Wilston, obviously, been there on and off over the last few seasons, and you know some of the saves he's making. I really do, from the, the ones you've just listed there, I think he's the one that um, I would like to see develop and have a, a potential future at the club. It's, it's obviously very difficult for a young goalkeeper when you've got the likes of a Croatian international and James Shea in front of you with the experience. So, you know, if he continues to develop elsewhere, he, he will become a very good goalkeeper um, at, a, at a level in the league, um, whether it's he gets the opportunity at Luton in the long term. Um, I haven't got a crystal ball on that one to know, but... Certainly, I think he's one. Josh Nerville, I know, has been used in different positions and it's interesting to see how he develops. Um, not seen enough of him to really know longer term 
um, thoughts on that. And the same with Osha. I mean, he's an experienced defender that was brought in to cover. I don't know what his long-term potential at Luton is as to um, where we're at with that for him coming back, obviously, in the summer. Um, but uh, giving him the opportunity after being released by Reading. Um, was that the three? Sorry, I can't That's, remember if you mentioned uh, Peter Chioso as well. Oh, Peter Chioso, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he, again, yeah, he's uh, another that's got a real future. Um, he's obviously been out on loan at Bolton and Northampton, impressed at both clubs. Um, was very impressive for Hartlepool. Um, Luton have brought him in and, you know, I think he's one that will continue to develop. And, yeah, I certainly do see him as being one that you would want to, to be having back at Luton Town. Um, in you know, whether he's out on loan for a period of time next season whilst also developing at the club the thing is with the young players like that he can be used I've got no issue with him being used and coming into a championship side but if he's not being used it's key that he still gets the games and gets the development so I can see there might be a mixture with him going forward but yeah he's certainly another one great potential really been impressed with the way he's uh, he's attacked an, an attacking fullback you know ideal potentially for the the wingback position um, as cover obviously we've got James Bree on that right side so um you know, it's, it's good support. And, and that's what you need in the championship. You need a squad that if you lose a player, you've got somebody equally as good to replace him. Um, and I think that's key that, you know, you do have that. Although the problem with that is if you have a regular starting 11 team and a squad on the bench, it, it, not everybody's happy, are they, that when you've got 20, 25 players in the squad and uh, only 18 are, are being selected each time, that does leave a few that uh, aren't getting game time on a regular basis. Yeah, because it was Kyoso who overwhelmingly won that poll. I think he received about 75% of the votes in the end. So clearly from Luton fans, he is someone that we are excited about and someone that, as you say, is, is progressing and maybe the next step might be sort of a, a League One loan next season that sort of at the high end of League One, as we've seen with Elliot Lee and Shinny before his a permanent transfer but yeah getting them playing at that level in a decent side that are more well, most of those league one clubs as well have good good managers in charge and people that know the game brilliantly indeed yeah and, and i'm not surprised at the results of that poll i mean he certainly as i said has, has impressed and you know he's certainly one that you know needs those games and keep going and and, and he will develop uh, in the same way we talked about adebayo um both coming up from lower lower leagues and um showing that they are capable of playing uh, at a higher level. Well, yeah, that's that's it from me. I don't know if Stephen's got any more questions. No. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Simon. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And we hope that the next time we speak to you, we um, have avoided relegation mathematically and we're pushing up that league. And who knows, maybe next season could be a, a cheeky little playoff push. No, that's great. Many thanks. And uh, no, I really enjoyed being on and uh, all the, keep going. Keep up the good work with your podcast in the future. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you very much again to our listeners. Uh, we're really enjoying making these and I hope this is not the last special guest we get on. And yeah, we hope you're enjoying them too. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.